Hello, everybody. This is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. So today, we are going to be changing gears a little bit. And I say a little bit because if you've been around recovery long enough, or if you know people that are in recovery, uh, suicide is a very big issue. Um, nearly everyone that I work with in the recovery community has at least seriously thought about suicide at one point or another. It's a big issue. And so suicide is definitely... Uh, a part of our overall discussion of recovery, which is the the, the topic of this general podcast. But um, I, I wanted to switch gears and talk about suicide, suicide prevention and awareness. And through a series of events, and, and we'll get into this a bit more on how we connected with one another, um, ran into a, a couple of great guys um, that you're going to meet here in a moment. And, and how we initially met was I uh, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I was an instructor at the FBI Academy at the National Academy and and taught a course called leading at risk employees which is still taught to this day by uh, Hardy Mar Heidi Marshall who was on a previous episode of this podcast and in that particular course we talked about suicide now uh, one of our guests today, Mark Fetzer, I did not meet when I was there, and I do not believe that you know Mark was not in the class that I was I was teaching at the time. And so it's kind of interesting that several years later, here we are, and we're crossing paths again on this particular topic. So somehow Mark um, found out about this podcast and reached out to me and wanted to know if he could talk about an initiative that uh, he and uh, some some of his friends are working on to row across the Atlantic. That's right. I, I said row across the Atlantic. They're not going on a carnival cruise. They're not going on a motorboat. They're not going on a yacht. They're going to get in a rowboat and four people are going to row across the Atlantic. And I think that sounds terrible. <laughs> I think that sounds absolutely terrible uh, in a really interesting kind of way. And in a way that is intriguing at the same time. But I, I think that's what you have to do to get awareness on particular issues. And uh, so Mark and, and Jared um, Slindy, who is also going to be joining us, is going to uh, talk about this project that they have to raise awareness for um, suicide and how they plan to raise money for this issue and just the whole project. So uh, Mark and Jared, you're both on the line, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, Mark, why don't we start with you, um, since you were the one that, that reached out to me. So, how did you hear about this podcast? And, um, you know, what is it that you'd, you'd like to do? And, and tell us about what it is that uh, you and your team are planning on doing. Sure, Mike. So, I, as you uh, alluded to there, I was uh, <clears throat> at, in the FBI National Academy as well. And um, uh, through the Facebook of our class session 266, I was seeing advertisements for your podcast and a lot of the topics on your podcast. Um, we, uh, we started our initiative a few years ago, and so I reached out to you to uh, see if we could get on. We have a goal of raising awareness for mental wellness among first responders. So the more avenues we can uh, we can we can hit as far as getting that awareness out, the better. So, and hence uh, tonight. 
All right. So what what is your initiative? What what do you guys plan on plan on doing? So we have an organization called Guardian Initiatives that Jared and I uh, both started. It's a nonprofit here based out of Farmington, New Mexico. We're in the four corners of uh, New Mexico, the northwest corner. And um, through our nonprofit, our first initiative that we're doing, we decided with both of us being in law enforcement, it was natural for us to try to raise awareness and funding and support for first responder mental wellness and suicide prevention to help. Um, help let people know that the problem exists to help get training to first responders and their families and agencies and uh, also to hopefully someday to be able to help with uh, treatment in, in some form or fashion. Okay, and so before before we get into the whole rowing aspect, um, and this, this is a question I'll throw out for the, the both of you. Is there a particular reason why this topic of suicide is near and dear to your heart? Um, I, you know, I think we, we recognize one, the need for it. Um, and, you know, being in, being in law enforcement, being, uh, you know, both of us have a lot of years experience. Uh, we've seen, even at our small agency and surrounding agencies, we've seen the need for, um, support in this area for wellness support. Um, and uh, so I, I think right then and there, you know, that, that alone to us was enough. And, and of course, we are starting to see more of a, um, a, a nationwide trend towards this, which, which is awesome. Um, and so, you know, helping push that awareness level, I, I think that's part of it. But uh, for me, you know, once we got into this, um, I... I'm third generation law enforcement and while oh, wow. I'm in New Mexico now, I actually grew up on the East coast. Um, and my father, and, and I say this, I didn't realize this until we got into it, which, which brings up another point. But when, once we really got into this wellness initiative, I realized that I grew up with a, a dad who suffered, had wellness issues and suicidal thoughts um, from the job. Uh, he, he, uh, ended up taking a medical retirement once he was better, once he got counseling and treatment and got better. Um, he, that's when he confessed to us as a family, you know, that there were times when he contemplated suicide, um, and didn't, you know, he talked about when my sister and I were young, you know, he talked about it, uh, the thought of us, uh, kept him from doing it, but he had a plan. He knew what he was going to do. And, um, so I realized that getting into this and I, you know, I say it brings up a, another issue of, you know, here I was a kid and I only knew my dad as a cop. Um, so that's all I knew him. How he was growing up is how I knew him. We just knew to be on eggshells around him uh, and, and, and be careful. You know, you didn't want to do something to kind of set him off and that didn't take much. And, but once he got better, he was a totally different person. So mm. So, so with that, talking about a personal connection to this, um, you know, aside from seeing the need for it, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've realized that as I've gone and realized, you know, the problem is much more common and much deeper, I think, than we realize. So that's my, that's my part of it. Yeah, I, I, and I can tell you uh, from my, my perspective, whether I was teaching at the FBI Academy or the work I do in the community now and in, in the Washington, D.C. area, it's 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 prevalent. I think it's much more prevalent than people realize. And 
I, I, I commend you for the work that you're doing and, and uh, just glad that your dad got the treatment. And so, Jared, uh, how, how about yourself? How did you get interested in this? Yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing with what Mark said. Um, but I guess what really made me um, really realize that there was a huge problem with this is, is when we got into this and not really understanding um, that it's everywhere. You know, the, the, I mean, it's not just in our, our little agency, um, but it's, you know, it's everywhere. And uh, being an administrator at the sheriff's office, um, you know, it's kind of scary thinking that this is, this is happening within our own agency. And uh, what are we going to do to, you know, to fix this and, and bring awareness to that, uh, to the issue. So um, uh, for me, that's, that was kind of the eye opener for me was just realizing that it's a much bigger issue. You know, when I first got into law enforcement, you didn't think about this type of stuff. You, you thought about driving fast and and taking bad bad guys to jail. You didn't think about this whole other side of it. So, get, being an administrator really kind of opens your eyes to the bigger picture. And and uh, and so, yeah, that was pretty much it for me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I in my my career, I've worked corrections. I was I was a police officer in Washington D.C. and then an FBI agent. And in none of the training. None of the training that I had dealt with how did I take care of myself. You know, there was a lot of training on firearms. There was a lot of training on defensive tactics, rules, um, you know, the Constitution, uh, legal issues, things like that. But how you took care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, it wasn't discussed. I, I at least I don't remember. Did did either one of you guys get that sort of training? You know, back when you started in this profession. No, no, I, I never got it. Yeah, not not from my academy. And I think we're we're starting to see a, like Mark said, we're, you know, we're starting to see it a little bit more. But yeah, not from my academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely the, the definitely the case. So I'm I'm really glad that you guys are are doing this. And in COVID, um, and the time in which we're living in right now, has just made this much worse than it was originally much right. worse at least that's what right. we're seeing on the east coast i don't know how it is out there in, in new mexico but it's yeah it's it's not not good it's not good i, I think for sure i mean not, you you take all the stressors one thing's you know when we give presentations around here you know we tell everybody you know all the all the stresses that come with the job of being a first responder um you know but every first responder still has all those other stresses that everybody else does as well, you know, and, and, you know, while during COVID, I think we do have a little bit of security with our jobs and that, you know, it may not, we're not shutting down, of course, it's still a needed service, but maybe spouses or, you know, how are we going to deal with kids out of school? Um, how are we going to do all this? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, all those, you add all that on top of the, the stresses of the job and it just compounds the issue. So, yeah. Yeah. So now in your, your agency have, uh, since you're doing this awareness and you're doing this fundraising, um, are you guys doing anything in particular in your particular your agency to to address this issue? You know, I it's funny we were just having this conversation. Uh, Jared and I were last night, and um, uh, we are we are working on it. We are we are working on kind of starting from the ground up with how are we going to handle this? And I think one one big part one has been, you know. I think most people in our agency know Jared and I are doing this um, and you know that what we're doing it for. Uh, but we've got people talking about stuff in the agency. We've got um, 
you know, we, we had a sergeant give a presentation uh, about six months ago, and it was totally unprompted by us, and it was on mental wellness. Um, and so we've got people, we've got people talking about it, and we're 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 ready to take that next step and look at well, what do we need to do to bring in a, a formal, you know, kind of program? What, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're we're on the cusp of of kicking that off within our own agency. I, I wish we had more. I'll be honest with you. I wish we had more that we were already doing, but I think it's an awesome learning opportunity as well. Like, like Jared said, I mean, as administrators at the office, what can we do? And when we talk to other administrators about this, what can we do? Um, you know, and, and here's a, here's a, our opportunity to, to figure out what we can do. So yeah, Jared went to some training and, you know, a lot of the training, he, he brought some great ideas back, um, and some great points from some people. And a lot of it's coming from larger agencies. So what can we do? You know, we're not a large agency. We're a, about 102 certified um, with, a, you know, a, a, a team of volunteer uh, reserve deputies and our, and our civilian crew on the law enforcement side. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to be a good learning opportunity for us that we can then share as well with others on what if you have nothing in place already, how are you going to get something started? Yeah, I think that's the the big, big challenge. And, you know, and that was one of the things that I noticed when I taught at the academy. And it was one of the reasons why we started leading at risk employees was I, I taught another course that dealt with like the acute trauma. If you're in a shooting car accident, maybe your partner dies of cancer, whatever the that, that trauma is, what kinds of policies and procedures do you have to deal with that? And what I found was most agencies actually had policies for that. They were pretty, pretty well organized for it. What they did not have was the long-term um, policy, or policies for long-term trauma, long-term illness that just comes from being in, in a job where uh, you know, I don't think the public realizes that, you know, being in law enforcement, y- you're not dealing with people because they're having a good good day. You're dealing with them because they're having a bad day. And, and in many cases, when you're dealing with someone from the public, that day is the worst day of their life. You know, just, just think of what it would take for someone to pick up the phone and dial 911. It would have to be a pretty significant event. It's not going to be a day that you forget. Now, when you're an officer, you're you're there, yeah. So this part, you know, every person you're dealing with is having a day they are going to remember for the rest of their life, and you're right there with them. Now you compi- compound that, you know, numerous times a day, every day for years. Uh, you know, I don't think the average person in the public thinks about how toxic that is to somebody's mental well-being. Um, right. You know, I I I can tell you guys. You know, I'm now retired from law enforcement. And a year later, I, I feel like a different person. I, I feel like a completely different person a year later because I'm not going through the daily trauma that that I did before. And right. and you know you you just see that and and there has to be so much work that's done with people and training that's done and um, you know raising the awareness and working on every, everything in your agency. So tell us about this project where you want to sail across or row across rather the uh, I, I'm now I'm going to imagine that about halfway through you're going to wish you could sail across <laughs> the Atlantic <laughs> but how did you find out about this tell us about this project 
Okay, so you know, we I'm back up just a little bit. We I, I kind of mentioned it early on. Our, our our three goals with our our campaign is awareness, training, and treatment. Awareness of the problem, training on multiple levels uh, to help help with the problem, and then uh, treatment to some degree. Uh, so on our awareness campaign, um, you know, big big things, uh, big things have a shock and awe value yeah. uh, to them, and. and um, so we, uh, early on, we're looking at this race and it's called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. And it is a rowing, uh, race across the Atlantic ocean. Now I call it a race. It is a race. Um, we're not going in there to, to break records or, or, uh, you know, necessarily win the thing. We wouldn't argue if we did, but that's not our goal. Um, mm-hmm. but I first found out about ocean rowing about 12 years ago. Uh, I was reading a book on on sailing. I've done a lot of different uh, kind of adventurous things. I did a bunch of mountaineering when I was younger. Made a couple attempts on Everest. Um, oh wow! Some other climbed some other peaks. Uh, all, you know, in the world, held a couple records for climbing, um, that, which have long been broken. Long since been broken. But so I, I, I've got this kind of adventurous, uh, you know, extreme kind of mindset that always captures me now and then. But about twelve years ago, I was reading a book. And about these two guys, uh, military guys that rode from uh, Massachusetts to uh, Ireland. And I told my wife about it at the time. And, and she's, uh, you know, she said, of course not. People die doing that. You're crazy. And I, I tease that here, you know, 10 years later, this was a couple years ago when we br- I bring it back up to her. And, you know, now that the kids are all grown and we I got life insurance, she's like, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. Um, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> so so jared jared and i were visiting so this this might be I, a profitable adventure for not just for suicide awareness but for her good for her that's right that's right so <laughs> um so jared and i were visiting about this a couple of years ago and and uh he said let's do it and so what a, what better way to to raise awareness uh for this you know because it's you know we tell people like if i i if I were just to call you or, or come up to you on the street and say, let's talk about first responder wellness and suicide prevention, probably wouldn't be as exciting as if I tell you, hey, we're going to row across the ocean in a boat you know, with no support. Uh, let's talk about why we're doing it. And, and Jared, are you are you on, back on, Jared? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not so, sure what happened there. Uh Jared always says, you know, if, if uh, you, w- w- what you're saying, Jared, that you can't uh, do something sailing or, or flying across. Yeah, it's, it's hard to raise awareness flying across the Atlantic Ocean, you know, so might as well row it. <laughs> no, no, but Jared, no, Jared, do, do you so Mark's talking about his adventurous spirit? Um, and the things that he did. Now, do you do you have kind of a similar background or, or are you going straight from playing video games to rowing across the Atlantic? Yeah, no, I'm, I haven't climbed Everest, um, but, uh, you know, I'm not as crazy as Mark is, but no, I mean, I've skydived a couple of times and, and that's about it. I don't know how he wrote me into this, but, but, um, but yeah, not as, not as crazy as Mark. Wow. Now he's forced to be, you know, this is, this sounds like one of those things where you, you commit to it. And then about a month later, you're thinking, why, why did I do that? But now I'm committed. So, cause I, I, I know the personality type 
uh, you know, first responders. And and even if you guys decide this is a bad idea, it's it's too late. You're you're in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're in it, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure for both of us, there's been plenty of times like, oh, man, because uh, this is a full time job, really. Yeah. I mean, on top of a full time job. And you know, I've even got a little easier than Jared. Jared's got, you know, young kids at home. Um, my kids are out of the house now. So uh, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a another job on top of our regular jobs. And I'm sure there's been multiple times both of us have thought, what did we get ourselves into? But you're right, because. You know, it's like, okay, we said we're doing it, not backing out now, um, especially for the cause. I mean, I think that I, I carry a bit of that around on my shoulders in terms of, uh, you know, we're saying we're doing it for this cause. We got people who we're trying to get to not quit. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to quit on them either. No, no, absolutely not. And that, and that's, that's what it all comes down to is that sheer determination. And I, and I love sort of like the parallel, um, imagery of it if, if you will meaning anybody that has been thinking about suicide and been in that dark place and and, and of course in my podcast i talk a lot about addiction uh, particularly alcoholism but even prescription drug abuse and you're in that dark tunnel and and you're fighting the waves and you know being and i've seen the videos of of this race and, and i invite our audience to go and, and look this up on youtube because you can see footage from past races and there's storms there's lightning sometimes you're exposed out in the sun um you know the sun's beating down you sometimes you're freezing cold and and just all the ups and downs and and the work that goes into getting that done but you know you get you get through the other end and then finally, that you get that light at the end of the tunnel, and you complete the race. And and I love just sort of that imagery it, when it comes to people being in that dark place when they're when they're thinking about suicide. That you can get through. It's not pretty. It it's dark. You have your ups and downs. You have your storms. You have your lightning, but it can be done. And and so I just love the imagery of of what you guys are are doing. And, now, and oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, on top of all that, I, I, I think, you know, kind of that, that parallel with the race. Um, of course, this race, don't get us wrong, we're not trying to compare it to, to the, the struggles of addiction or depression or, or anything like that. But um, I, I, that, I imagine, is, is much, much harder. Um, but the, you know, the idea of, of every day getting up, and there's nothing's changed. I mean, out in the middle of the ocean, nothing's changed. We're, mm -hmm. we're, it's not like we have other boats around us that we're seeing. Nothing's changed. It's just water and horizon. Um, you know, but then again, you talk about that, that sheer determination of getting through to the other side and, and eventually get there. And that's a, a very, you know, and not to be, you know, uh, kind of a silly analogy or what, but a very, a very a tiny version of, of, of what I would imagine that you know, struggling through and getting to the other side of that addiction problem or, or mental wellness problem would be. So, yeah. And, and, and also, you know, I, I know with addiction, it's, you got to put in the work, you know, addiction does not, you know, it's not through osmosis, you know, you don't, you don't just, uh, you know, go to a meeting and go home and put the big book under your pillow. And because it's under your pillow, magically information is going to be transferred to your head. You got to put in the work. And I think that that's what, what you guys are doing as well, but the work pays off. It pays yes. off, and and uh, and if you do, you know, follow simple instructions and and learn from the people that have gone ahead of you. So, like in the addiction field, and I know in the in the suicide field, the suicide prevention field, it's the same way. Is there are other people, there are other people that have gone through what you've gone through, 
And I, uh, you know, I always have th- this, this saying that is, you know, stick with the people that are winners, you know, stick with the winners. Um, meaning if somebody else has, has been through this and they've gotten through to the other side, then find out what they did. And if they were successful, then try to do what they've done. And maybe you'll have some success as well. Now that applies to the race. Again, that parallel imagery that um, you guys are, it does not sound to me like you are sailors. You're not certainly not professional sailors. Um, Neither one of you guys are Navy guys, right? Right. Now I got to tell you, I was in the Navy and (laughs) many of my deployments were in the Atlantic. And I remember being thrown around pretty hard in a destroyer, a Navy destroyer. But you guys aren't going to be in a Navy destroyer. You're going to be in a rowboat. Now, when we were just saying now that you learn from people that have done this before. So I would imagine that you don't just they don't just give you a boat, give you a boat and you go out there and you do it. There's there's going to be a lot of preparation for this. Correct. So run us through some. But what are, what are you going through to get rid of this th- ready for this thing? Because they're not just going to throw you out there in the middle of the Atlantic with no training and no um you know, no discussions. So what are you guys having to do to get ready for this thing? Sure. Jared, you want to talk about some yeah. of the race? Yeah. So, you know, this, this race is, it's called Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge and it's put on by a group by, uh, called Atlantic Campaigns. And uh, in reference to the training and preparation, there's a lot of different rules and regulations that, you know, and things we have to accomplish before we even hit the water. Um, we have to take some different sea survival classes, first aid classes. Um, and we also need to, um, actually spend some time on the ocean. Um, we have to do so many hours out on the water and so much of that has to be at night um, just to make sure that they they feel comfortable with us being in the boat and being able to navigate, you know, within the boat. And so there's a lot of different types of classes and and just little, little you know, preparation type things that we need to do before we actually go. Lots of inspections yeah. on the boat. Like before we can ever race, we have to have inspections on the boat. And once we, once we get out there, they've got to put us through a bunch of other tests um, as well uh, in terms of, you know, they're going to, these boats, if you look at the boats, the, the design of them, I'm sure you saw, they're made to self-right if they, if they capsize, which they do. Yeah. Um, you know, you take a rogue wave sideways, it'll capsize you. Um, and they're made to self-right. So they'll run us through tests, make sure the boat's capable of doing that, capable of doing that with us inside the cabins. Um, lots of stuff. So, Yeah, I my impression with they, anybody that's been on a, a, a cruise, like a Disney cruise or a Carnival cruise, um, the, the survival boats that they, that they have in case the, the boat – they kind of look like that. They kind of look yes. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in a way on the top but more mm-hmm. towards the ends right yeah right. exactly and now are do they provide the boat or do you guys have your own boat or how is that done we're gonna we actually have to provide our own boat um and that's part of our fundraising and part of our awareness campaign is is to raise funds um, for the boat but in turn the boat will be used you know through the course of several years and uh and you know a conversation piece you know when we're driving around town and people ask you know what's that for <laughs> um, oh now when you say used for several years used by you you guys or do you provide it to another group in subsequent years no so our, our organization will buy the boat so guardian initiatives will buy the boat and uh, mark and i are going to be rowing in in december of 2022 um, but there's a, a team behind us that is forming for 2023 and they'll do the same row that we're doing um for first responder mental wellness and suicide prevention. So 
um, there'll be teams after us under our, you know, guardian initiatives, nonprofit that will row. Okay. So you, you just keep it in, and for as long as your foundation wants to do this, you have the boat. Right. Correct. I would imagine that thing's pretty, I looked at that thing. It, it, it's gotta be pretty expensive. Right. They're yeah, not cheap. They're not cheap, but now, uh, when you're on this thing, um, you mentioned navigation, so are you, uh, is that through GPS or, or are you having to take some like old school navigation classes, navigating off the stars? How are you doing that? Yes. The boat's equipped with, uh, yeah, the boat's equipped with, with, um, GPS, you know, Garmin, it's got satellite phone and stuff like that for, for navigation. The boat also is equipped with, uh, an auto helm. So you just put the location where we want to go and the boat will, um, the boat will basically bring you there. It'll, you know, steer towards that. Um, oh think, really yeah so oh so part- you don't have a helmsman you you just you all you're doing is rowing and that Row, it automatically yeah. uh auto for currents and waves and, and all that it auto corrects for all that yeah yeah it just it keeps you on your path it, and it, it steers you towards your end location but you know there's times that the the auto helm will fail and we'll have to manually mm-hmm. steer it um and so and if all those you know fail i think mark jokes about bringing a sextant onto the boat to 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 figure out where we're at and getting us home, you know, to Antigua. So. <laughs> well, well, I I, I can tell you, <laughs> if it gets to the point where the uh, GPS goes out, that may come in pretty handy. Yeah, it may come in pretty handy. Uh, and there's a lot of training that could. Now, Mark, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to navigate off the stars? I I do not. I do not. I uh, um, uh, you know, I grew up on the water. I never learned how to use a sextant, um, and, but I, I definitely want to want to learn. I love to learn different things, so that'll be one of the things I do before we go. That that'll be interesting. So now, um, getting to that, you know, talking about how you're not going to have a helmsman in, unless you need to, and all else fails. How many people on the boat? There's so our team. There's four people. Um, we're a four man team, and uh, but in this event, there's you know. There's teams that will do it by themselves. It'll just be a solo rower. There'll be pairs. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll be a, a four-man team. What, there's gonna Wait a minute. There's going to be people doing this by themselves? Right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How many, so how many teams are involved in this? Um, every year is a little different. Um, usually there's anywhere between you know, 25 and 40 different teams. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of depends on the year. Okay. And so with it being a race now, that seems, uh, there are different categories because it would seem to me to be kind of unfair to have you competing against a team with one rower when you guys have four or is it, how do they work that? Yeah. Mark, you want to talk about that? Sure. So, uh, I, I think this year actually, so one, the, ra- the race goes, they do it every year and it's going on right now. Um, as a matter of fact, the team just broke a world record. It's funny you mentioned, you know, not being fair, one rower against four, mm-hmm. uh, the first team to, to, to land, um, this year, uh, in Antigua was a pairs team that beat all the four person teams. Really? Um, yeah. Now that, that I guess we hear they were using a pretty, uh, pretty high speed boat that, that was, uh, very well designed, very fast. But so with that this year, I, I think the, the organizers put together two different classes, a race class and an open class. 
um, to kind of differentiate between maybe some of the more traditional boats versus some maybe custom made, um, custom made, you know, race boats, like, like what the one that just won. But mm-hmm. like I, like I said before, I mean, we're going in, it is a race. Um, but we're not, uh, you know, we, we always tease around like, Oh boy, we, you know, break the world record. But one that takes perfect, absolute perfect conditions. Um, two, we've mm-hmm. never rode an ocean before. So, <laughs> and, and three, we really, we just, we want to be successful on it. We want to get through. That's our goal. Our goal is yeah, to yeah. get, get through safely, get through on the other side. Um, and, uh, and, and, and bring that awareness to, to our cause. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Now, are you guys, uh, are, are you going through any specific physical training? Cause I would admit, cause I, I understand from talking to you that you're, you're doing this. So even doing this in shifts, so you have four people, but you're not all four rowing, rowing at the same time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's the, 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 Normal schedule for four rowers is two row, two rest, and that's done every two hours. You switch back and forth, 24 hours a day for as long as it takes you to cross the ocean, which for us, we're anticipating maybe 35 to 40 days. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as the physical training goes, right now, we, we don't row till December of 2022, so just a little less than two years out. Um, we've got to get our boat to do some training on the boat, but until then we're each kind of just working on our own thing, um, in terms of, uh, what we, you know, we're each a little different. So, you know, what we need to work on, you know, like for me, I'm really trying to work on flexibility more and some core strength. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we're kind of just doing our own thing at this point and we, we stay active together as a team, you know, we go out doing different things together as a team, but. Mm-hmm. Um, once it gets closer, we're going to start working with some trainers soon, just some personal trainers. And then really once it gets closer, we'll be spending a lot of time on the boat training on the boat. But I, I'll tell you this, Mike, and I've told the team this a lot, you know, from my experience climbing, and uh, you know, high altitude mountaineering is a very, obviously it's a very physical sport as well, but I think just like ocean rowing, it's probably more mental, um, than physical. And I think, this sounds weird to say. I think any long distance runner knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, breaking through those mental blocks, um, when things hurt, when things aren't going the way they're supposed to. Uh, so it's, it's really a, a lot of mental preparation as well, which how do you do the mental preparation? I, to, you know, I think again, that's different for everybody. That's a question I got a lot when I was climbing. Um, you know, it's different for everybody. And I think that's where that determination comes in. Um, with training to start seeing how it feels and be realistic and knowing, you know, what's it going to be like to not have more than two hours of sleep per day um, for, you know, well over a month. Yeah, I uh, think that that even putting the physical part aside, that that sounds like that alone would be challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, just just sit in your living room and, and try to only sleep two hours at a time and do that for a month and see, you know, see what that's like. Now add the physical right. component to it. Yeah. Correct. Now, as far as food, now you said this is uh, self-supported, so that includes food and water, correct? Yeah. Jared, you want to visit some about our gear? Yeah. So, food? yeah, everything we need to have um, for the race needs to be on the boat. And so we'll all the food um, we'll have on board. And, and it's really just, you know, backpackers type food, um, freeze-dried food that you just heat up in a, a jet boil. Um, and that's what you eat. Um, 
in reference to our water, it's just, we just take the, the sea water and, and just um, put it through a water maker, a desalinator, and, uh, and that's where it's drinking water. Wow. Interesting. Um, so you have a cat. So the, the two hours of sleeping, um, I, I would imagine this boat has uh, a separate cabin for that. So you can, you can go in and, and lay down and, and get some rest. Yeah, right. There's uh, there's cabins on either side of the boat and uh, one's generally for, for your off time to sleep and, and eat and all that. And on the other side of the boat is generally where you store all your, your equipment and, and stuff of that nature. But yeah. Yeah. And you're two hours off. There's a lot to do, you know, you got to eat, you got to you know worry about your hygiene and, and getting some food in and yeah, there's a lot to do in the two hours off. So um, I wouldn't even guess if you're actually getting a full two hours of sleep every time you're off. Yeah. Oh, that, that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a lot of preparation for that. Now do you, so four people, do you already have the team? You We have Mark and you have Jared. Um, how about the other two? Do you already have those spots filled? We have, we have one other uh, guy with us, Matt Basinger. He couldn't be here um, for this, but he's been on the team with us and we're still looking for our, our fourth rower. Um, you know, it's gotta be a, a, a special perfect person that will fit and jive with our crew, um, to be on a boat for that long. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so we're still on the lookout for that, that fourth person. There's, there's some people we've approached and, and they want to do it, but their, their wives don't want them to do it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and by the way, uh, you raise a good point. I, I think in, in having been on Navy ships myself, you raise a really good point. I think a lot of people that have never been in that sort of close quarters, constant drudgery, constant um, pressure situation. And, you know, you see this with a lot of military teams, whether they be Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, you know, spe special teams. Um, when they do the tryouts for those teams, it's not just the mental and the physical part of it, but, you know, what goes through the assessment is the personality part. Can this person, would this person fit into the team, meaning even personality-wise, would they fit into the team uh, and be able to be in long-term, high-pressure situations? And that's that's almost as critical as the physical training because, you know, you don't want to be out in the middle of the Atlantic and start having, you know, personality conflicts and, and those sort of breakdowns. So, I'm, it, it's fantastic you guys are considering that. Yeah, so, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, you know, Mark and I are fairly calm people and, and, uh, and to find, you know, Matt, Matt is the same thing with us. We're, you know, cool, calm and collected. Um, and we just want to keep that, you know, even with our fourth row or just calm, you know, being out in the middle of the ocean, you need to be calm. Because it doesn't matter how close of friends you are and, and how calm you are, there's going to be pressure. You know, right. you know that going into it. There's going to be times when um, it's going to get tough no matter how, you know, common collected you are, and you want somebody that's going to have that right personality. So uh, that's funny. I, I'm laughing because you you said that you've got some people that would be interested in, but their wives uh, <laughs> wouldn't let them do it. <laughs> so when I, I spoke to you guys, and so the audience knows, I, I actually talked to these guys Friday evening, and um, I went home and I told my wife about this, and I didn't say anything about it. All I did was tell them about what you were doing, and she she knows me, and she just looked at me, and I was halfway through the story, and she said, "You're not doing that." I said, well, I, I, I didn't. Well, I, I told you I'm going to interview these guys for the podcast. She goes, no, but I know you. She goes, I know you. You're, you're not doing that. Don't, don't even think really? about it. And I said, hey, my, I haven't volunteered for that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, she did. 
Right. Remember 10 years ago when I first brought it up, oh, that's she right. said, no, no way. So there's hope for you still. There's hope for you still. Well, um, I remember back when um, we were in, I met my wife in college and she said that I could go into any profession except for law enforcement. She said, if I went into law enforcement, she would divorce me. Then I went into law enforcement and she said, you could work anywhere in law enforcement except Washington, D.C. And then I worked in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so I don't know. You might you might have me on your team in December of 2022. I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you're 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 doing that though. Now, are the listen? Let me ask you. So, uh, your third person is is he part of your your sheriff's office or is he from another agency? Uh, he works for so yeah. He works for San Juan County, which is the same county. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the sheriff's office that we're we're with, but he works for San Juan County. But he's got he's a military veteran. Um, Mm-hmm. He was also a, a volunteer firefighter for San Juan County. So he's got some first responder um, experience. Okay. So he's a coworker of yours right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. in the now, sheriff's office. He, you know, he works, he works with the County works in the uh, kind of the solid waste division, public works. And, uh, you know, when Jared and I first did this, we envisioned a, a team of, I think four active first responders. And, and I guess I should have clarified early on when we talk first responders, we're not just talking, doing this initiative for law enforcement, even though Jared and I are law enforcement, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking all for all, you know, fire, police, EMS, and even dispatchers. We're we're, absolutely adamant that dispatchers are oftentimes forgotten about as first responders, but they're, they're very much there with us. So um, Matt, we did a presentation and Matt approached us after and said, um, you know, I'm not a first responder, um, and, but I totally support your cause. And we, we got to meet him and you know become friends and brought him aboard. And I think what's become really cool about that is it's not just law enforcement, it's other community members as well um, and recognizing it and wanting mm-hmm. to join it and do this and go through it with us. So, um, yeah, like Jared said, he's, he's got some some first responder background and, and, and Matt, you know, served our country for, for 20 years in the service. And, Mm -hmm. um, so he know, he also knows the, you know, that kind of what that wellness, the, the need for that, that, you know, mental wellness. Yeah. Well, and the military has a horrendous problem too with that. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, so you're on the, on the search for uh, a fourth person. Yes, sir. We've got, like Jared said, we've, we've, we've approached people and people have approached us, but it's got to be just the right person. And, and it goes back to what you said a little bit ago about, you know, learning from other people that have done it. One of the very first people, Jared and I, Jared and I have been reaching out to ocean rowers for two years now. Um, one of the very first people we did were, uh, was a team that won two years ago the race. And, you know, we, we called them up and said, how, you know, how, how'd you do it? And it was really cool because, you know, we're talking like, oh, how did you get through so fast? What, what did you do that was right? Again, not looking for us to win, but just why not learn from the best? And mm-hmm. it was all about it was all about their team and how their team worked together and how they were all on the same page. They all agreed to the same thing that when they left, uh, you know, that they said, our goal is to finish this race and be better friends at the end of it. Now, once they said, once we got into it, we realized we could win. And so they all came together and agreed together as a group. Yes, let's go after it to win. And they won. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was all about team dynamics. That was so huge. And then about a month later, we talked to another team 
Um, that completed it and did, you know, finished well, but their team dynamics weren't as good. They have differing opinions on the boat at the time. You know, one guy wanted to win the race and, you know, another guy was like, no, let's just relax and have, you know, make this fun and, 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 you know, enjoy it. And so they struggled a little bit more with team dynamics. So I think early on we saw, you know, that need for the proper team dynamics. And then also, like you mentioned before, learning from other people, that's huge yeah. for um, you know, if you want to be successful, not recreate the wheel, uh, you know, utilize those those resources. And and, and again, the parallel imagery with uh, mm-hmm. dealing with somebody that's struggling with suicidal thoughts is, you know, you, you, you get well, whether it be recovery from a substance abuse issue or uh, uh, suicidal thoughts. You know, it's the team that you get around it. You got to get out of that isolation and, and build a team. And, and that's how we get well is by, you know, taking the people that, that bring certain expertise and, and value to, to the table and, and incorporating, that, incorporating that on our team. And it may be that this team that you're talking about, they may not have been the most physically fit. They may not have been the best athletes, but by working as a, as a team, they not only completed the race, but they won the race. And, and it's true also when we're working on our mental health, you know, getting the right team of people to help us. So again, I love the imagery, the parallel imagery between what you're doing and, and the race itself. It, it is neat. I mean, and we never even, you know, that was never our, our, even our initial plan, but it just, it kind of, it fell in to place. So now where does it, where does it start? So this is across the Atlantic, but um, does it start on the East coast of the United States or where, where, where's the beginning? What's the sort of the logistics of this? Yeah, so it starts off the the west coast of Africa, a small island called La Gomera. Um, we take off from there and we go west across the Atlantic and we land in uh, in Antigua. It's about three thousand miles across the ocean. And oh, okay, so it goes from the west coast of Africa to Antigua, yes. three thousand miles. Okay, yeah. um, what is the quickest anybody has ever done this? I think the I think the world record is is twenty nine days um, and so many hours, and that was a four man team. And I'm not Mark. I'm not sure. I can't remember what year that was, but it was you know within the last two or three years. Yeah, two or three maybe, years. Maybe, yeah, yeah, not too long ago that they did that. What's the long? Or do you happen to know this? Um, what's the longest it's taken somebody to do this? Solo, you know, again, like Jared mentioned before, there's solo rowers who do this. Solo rowers will take up to 80 days, 90 days to cross, um, which, I mean, I, I can't even imagine that. As, as I tell people, I'd be getting in arguments with myself that long by myself. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do that. But, you know, four-person teams, I, I think, you know, you'll see those guys out for 55 days. Um I'm sure there's been longer in the past, but from the most recent kind of what we've tracked, I, I think probably, you know, 55 or so days is a longer end of it with 30 to 35 days being the quicker end of it for, for this particular crossing. There, there's, we learn there's lots of people crossing oceans. Um, there's, you know, I mean, there's people across the North Atlantic. Of course, there's, there's this, this route that we're taking, which was kind of the route Columbus took. Um, just starting a little further south off the Canary Islands, not in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, you know, there's people crossing uh, solo rowers going from California to Hawaii or even going past further all the way to Australia. I think that's a 9,000 mile row from, uh, from California to um, Australia. So there, there's, there's quite a few ocean rows. Um, we originally thought about doing the Pacific being it was closer, we could, we could row to Hawaii, stay, you know, within the States the whole time. But we quickly, uh, quickly learned for, for our success for our first row that the Atlantic would be a, a better choice for us. Is that because it's calmer or what was the reasoning behind that? I think calmer, uh, the water's a little warmer, um, believe it or not. I would have thought the other way, but in the routes you take, uh, it's a little warmer. But plus this race that we're doing, they've been doing it for so long. They're so well organized um, and can, uh, the, you know, to, to help people get through. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of safety stuff. Jared was talking about earlier, some of the training we got to do. But even on top of that, us having to check in with them daily. Um, you know, the, the race coordinators via radio, if we have problems, they're there, they know kind of how to help. They're even there to coach, you know, we'll see it coaching, um, the solo rowers that are just struggling for a day or something, or may have, you know, they may lose ground, you may get a wind turn on you and you're losing ground. Yeah. Um, so they're there for that mental support as well. And you got to wonder, you like with a solo rower, I mean, they have to sleep. So could you imagine being in the boat alone and then having to sleep alone? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And then you see the boat kind of, kind of, uh, um, kind of going all over. There's a tracker. If you go on the website for uh, Atlanta campaigns, you'll see this YB tracker app and you can watch the boats and you can see, you can always look at either when they hit a storm or they go to sleep because you'll see the boat kind of goes all over the place. Yeah. Wow. Just tremendous. Now, speaking of the, the course, you mentioned that there's a couple of sailboats that sort of kind of go back and forth and check up on people. Yeah, there's a, yeah, they've got a couple sailboats that'll go along the race, the race course and uh, check in with, uh, check in with each boat. Um, and, uh, but of course, if you need help, it'll, you know, it could be a couple of days before they get to you. They might be, you know, you know, a bunch of miles off near another boat. So, um, but yeah, they're along the race course and they're to help you, you know, if you do need rescue, just recognizing that it could be some time for them to actually get to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, it's, that's a, uh, wow. What a feat. And your training. Mm -hmm. Now you said that you, you have to get the boat. When do you plan on purchasing the boat? We Hopefully really that. soon. Go ahead. Okay. Greg. So yes, in the next yeah. couple of months or what, what are you looking at? Yeah, we actually just, we just, Actually, just on Friday, um, this past Friday, we were t we were speaking with a boat builder, um, you know, Rannick Adventures, which is the, the the most prevalent boat that does this race. And we were speaking to him on Friday about kind of pricing and build schedule and, and all that stuff. So, but yeah, we hope to we hope to have it, you know, with the next I don't know two three months, or at least have a down payment um, paid to somebody within the next you know two three months. So you may you may have a boat by summertime. Yeah, yeah. I think the goal is definitely the goal is to have a boat this year, um, and but I think it'll be late summer when we actually physically have it. So training wise, now you guys are in New Mexico, so you're going to be doing some training there, correct? But then you said you have to actually do some ocean training. So where where will you guys be doing both sets of of training for that? 
So just in our local area, we have a, it's called Navajo Dam and it's a, it's a fairly large reservoir that we'll do, you know, I imagine the majority of our training on. Um, and, uh, so we'll do majority of the training there. And then I imagine we'll go to, I imagine the Gulf coast to do some training, um, with another team, um, that we've met. They're out of Castle Rock, Colorado. They've kind of got a home base in Mobile, Alabama. Mm. And so I imagine we would go down there with them. They've kind of invited us down to go, go with them and, and train with them on the Gulf. Interesting. Interesting. Well, guys, Tell us how we can get hold of you. How can somebody can contribute to your, your cause? How can they reach you if they want to help out or get involved or if anybody out there is listening and you want to try out, you know, for the team? Um, how, how would they do that? I would recommend you guys put together sort of like a, a Navy Buds SEAL training test and see, you know, who survives that and then take – no, I'm just kidding you. But uh, uh, no, but seriously, if there's anybody that, that wants to contact you to, to help out or, and certainly donate, how would, how would somebody go about doing that? So we have our, our website, uh, which is uh, guardianinitiatives.org, um, or – you can uh, on the website too. You know we have spot for donations, but a lot of information, more information about us, uh, more information, some videos on the races, uh, more and just some some more generalized information about who we are and what we're doing. Um, and then we also have uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. So if you look up uh, Guardian Initiatives on Facebook, you'll see us there. And um, you know. Uh, disclaimer, we're, we're definitely not social media people. We're not advertising people, but we're getting there. Um, and, uh, it's going to just keep getting better as it goes. And, and, and we keep getting closer and closer to, uh, to the race and continue to push out some, uh, of our, you know, training and, and awareness and, and treatment for first responders. Well, great. Now, so you're going to keep all your social media updates as you get closer to the date, uh, maybe updates on training, maybe pictures of the boat once you once you get that, kind of put that information out there. So anybody that's following, because I'll certainly be following you guys. Are you going to be putting that out there? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we plan on, you know, lots of lots of photos of the boat. When we get the boat. We think that'll be, you know, a really, well, we'll not think, it will, it will be a huge step for us. Um, and also, again, kind of to, to bring the conversation piece, if you will, to talk about it. So we'll have, we'll have stuff on that. And even when we're racing, you know, sending back uh, any kind of videos that we can or pictures or whoever that we can, when we're out there racing, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities um, to, with, with this, with the race and to get in front of different crowds, even, you know, we've even thought, even if it's not for, First responder stuff. I mean, local schools. I'm excited once it gets a little closer for you know local schools to be able to follow us. Just kind of you know when we were kids watching at school watching space shuttle you know launches and and kind of the same thing. A little bit different platform now, but so there's a lot of different opportunities. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the boat itself is a big advertisement for the cause. And I mean, and, and I would imagine you're going to be towing that around and, and putting it in different locations so people get people in the town where you are and throughout the state can can see the cause yes we have we have quite a few not quite a few but we have our sponsors that are waiting for that to happen to uh for us to bring it outside of their their um their place of business and you know attract some people in and talk with them and have some events maybe bring people out on the boat on the lake um and you know different events we are waiting for kind of all the covid stuff to to 
get better so we can actually do some of the events we had planned originally. But the boat is really kind of a big floating billboard as well. Oh, it uh, is. For, for companies. We are a, a nonprofit, a 501c3. So, um, you know, companies that are, are donating, you know, make that an advertisement donation to be on the boat and float across the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean with us. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I want to thank you guys, you know, Mark Fetzer and Jared uh, Slendy. You know, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank and you, uh, it, again, I'm going to put out that it's the guardianinitiatives.org, guardianinitiatives.org. Check them out on Facebook. And what other social media were you on again? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So check them out on on that Facebook, Instagram, and guardianinitiatives.org. Thank you guys so much for the important work that you're doing and just what a tremendous uh, feat and undertaking that's going to be. And thank you so much, folks, for joining us. As always, I'd like to say I don't represent any group, and uh, I do not represent anyone other than myself. And my only purpose for this podcast is to give information to share with you and talk about what I've done because it's, it's helped me and maybe it will help you too. So if I've said something or if these guys have said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, just discard it. But try to take away any information that you can use for yourself or others because that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way and as we try to impact uh, others with the knowledge that we've gained uh, through our experiences. So with that, please visit uh, us at our Facebook uh, page, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing. You know, I'd love to hear from you. And guys, I want to let you guys know that I want to have you back on the show, and I certainly want to hear updates as to what's going on and then of course when this is all over with we'll, we'll have you back as well if you guys would love to join us that would be great yeah, Mike. We appreciate it guys thank, thank you. you and everybody listen to the podcast give us a follow give us a like and we will talk with you soon take care